0: Boston college has their bowl destination and they're heading to Annapolis to face the ECU pirates. We're going to get all into this game and talk about all the intricacies of the ECU pirates with Mitch Wolf today. All of this and more on today's locked on Boston college. You
1: are locked on Boston college, your daily podcast on the Boston college Eagles, part of the locked on podcast network,
0: your team every day. This is locked on Boston College AJ Black. There's a lot of sports to talk about today. On today's show, we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about basketball. And of course, on Mondays, we are joined by Mitch Wolf, who is here to talk about the bowl destination for the BC Eagles, who are going to be ha- heading to Annapolis, Maryland to play in the military bowl. Mitch, how's it going?
1: Going good, you know. I'm back on the Monday show now that I'm feeling a little better, and uh, bought my flight to Annapa from back home from Annapolis, basically. Uh, So I'll be in attendance this game, and this is a game that I've wanted BC to go to for many years. So I'm very excited they can finally, you know, go to Annapolis.
0: So this is a game I, I I think a lot of Boston College fans have to be a little bit excited because, as I said on Twitter, the feeling going into bowl season for the last year has been. Boston college is just going to be saddled with the Fenway bowl every year mm-hmm. because it, the, everyone felt the Fenway bowl was just tailored to have Boston college go in. And I said on Twitter that I don't think that's the case though. I think the Fenway bowl this year, especially wanted to set the precedent that they're not just going to pick Boston college every year. And they went and picked UVA and that game looks like it's going to actually be fun. It's gonna be two schools that have no head coach, but mm-hmm, um, true. <laughs> SMU and UVA. Um, but Boston college instead they head to the military bowl and they face against an ECU team that is seven and five and looking at them on paper, they have played well against some really good teams and uh, you know, let some bad teams hang around with them. Mitch, give us, give us a little bit of your uh, take on, on the pirates.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to need to watch a little bit more of them, but I've caught a few of their games here and there. Just, you know, bits. I watched them against Cincinnati last, the other week. Um, And you know, I've, I said this kind of in the, the announcement of the bowl game that they've basically beaten good. They've beaten bad teams and lost to good teams. And even the teams that they've um, beaten that are supposedly bad, you know, they've they've struggled sometimes. So like in their FCS game against Charleston Southern, they only beat them by three. They only beat Memphis by one. They beat Navy by three. Um, They took care of business against USF and temple. Uh, No problem. Those were pretty big wins, but you know, they, they beat Tulane by a good bit. They had a close win against Marshall, which is a pretty quality win. But, you know, they lost to Appalachian State, who's a good team. They lost South Carolina only by three. Lost to UCF, lost to Houston, then got pretty beaten up by Cincinnati in the in their uh, finale of their season. So, you know, there, this this I think this is a really good matchup for BC, just because, at least from a BC perspective, and that, you know, they have a pretty good chance of winning this game. This is a winnable matchup. You know, I was worried that they were going to have to go to the Fenway Bowl against Houston, who, you know, Houston... Didn't look awesome against Cincinnati, but they definitely gave them the game. And I was like, oh, man, if, a you know, kind of a struggling BC team has to go against, you know, a team that could have won the American conference, that might be a struggle, especially on a baseball stadium. But they get, you know, a a middling AAC team on a actual football field. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to downplay ECU because it's, it looks like on paper, like they could be a good matchup because what I looked at immediately, when you look at, at BC, and, and and you want to look at where you could struggle is you, you look at their offense mm-hmm. and their quarterback, you know, Halfley said on Sunday, throws the ball all over the yard. And he does, he's, he's averaging over 260 yards a game. He's also a mobile quarterback. He's a lefty um, Mitch talk a little bit about this quarterback. And do you think he's going to be a big challenge? And maybe is there a someone quarterback that you can compare other than him being a lefty? Cause I don't think BC's played a lefty this year.
1: Um, no, I don't think they haven't uh, as a, uh, as a, as a person who, Rights lefty, but plays sports righty. You know, I'll always be excited when there are lefty quarterbacks because they're so few and far between these days. Um, but yeah, Holton Aylers is an is a interesting guy. You know, he was a pretty decently highly rated recruit. You know, he had some offers from ACC schools, um, but he turned them down because he's from Greenville. Uh, so he wanted to stay home and kind of help resurrect the ECU program, which had had some decent seasons uh, back in the day, but then they kind of fell on hard times. But he has, you know, kind of brought this program back from its deathbed. You know, again, you know, they're not, world beaters, but they're a solid program. You know, he's got it kind of turned around and yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, the best quarterback, you know, I, I think uh, I'm trying to find, trying to get a BC schedule pull up here to try to give him a comp, but you know, like obviously lefty quarterbacks are going to present a different uh, kind of challenge. Cause they, you know, you just have to flip the field based on their dominant hand. Um, and he, he's mobile, but he's not, you know, a killer scrambler, like a Malik Cunningham or a Garrett Schrader. Um, so in terms of a, a map, I would probably say he's probably closest to maybe a guy like a Devin Leary, maybe, but just not as good. You know, he's, he's mobile enough, uh, but he's probably going to try to throw the ball first supposed to run, but he's a bigger guy. Like he's six three, two twenty. 220 So, you know, if he does scramble, he's going to be tough to bring down. Um, but you know this ECU team is good. You know BC—it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. But I do feel pretty confident about BC's um, how they match against the Pirates, especially because this offensive line for the Pirates is not very good um, in terms of pass blocking, and that's something that BC—you know—they kind of need every advantage they can get. So you know if they're able to get pressure on hold nailers and force him outside of the pocket, you know I think that's some, that's uh, a way they can succeed and eventually win this game.
0: And speaking of quarterbacks, I saw Jason Baum again. He's he's. You know, he's a Maryland guy, and I know he's really pumped for this game. And if um, he's listening, hey, Jason. Um, but he was he was giving, comp- you know, this is the first time Boston College has played ECU ever. Mm-hmm. And he was giving some uh, comparisons, uh, not comparisons, but uh, connections, connections. And he had Frank Signetti being connected to ECU and Steve Logan. We all remember he forgot the big one that I always remember, which is Dominique Davis, uh, who was a quarterback mm. for Boston College. Uh, if you remember, he was in 2008. Uh, he was the quarterback when they went to the uh, ACC title game after Chris Crane got hurt, and then he transferred to ECU and threw for roughly, I think, like 40,000 yards or 50,000. It just <laughs> felt like he was throwing, like, a gajillion yards. And then he ended up as a, as a linebacker in the NFL, so who the heck knows. Uh, but I, I always remember him because it was during the lean de- uh, Spaziani years <laughs> coming after that where he was so good, um, but I do remember him in – Jason did acknowledge that. Uh, One of our fans mentioned that. But we'll talk a little bit more about this matchup and some other news in just a moment. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love prize picks, and I know you will too. Prize picks is the leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players like Desmond Ritter or other players you may not have ever heard of prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yards to touchdowns and even interceptions for you. And for all of our listeners of locked on Boston college, we have a special deal with you. If you sign up for prize picks and use promo code locked on, they're going to give you a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars just for signing up. You just pick two to five players. They over under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times. It is so much fun. I love prize picks. I've tried all the different daily fantasy sports. And this is the best prize picks is the best. They allow mixed sports entries, there's the, the best part about Picks is that you can do it any way your mind can, can go, um, and you can have fun and just, and just try it out. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the, download the app today. Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening and happy Monday. I will get closer to the holiday season. I was busy all weekend long with trees and putting up lights. I, I, you know, it was crazy uh, at the uh, Black House Hill trying to get stuff done. Uh, Mitch, so we're talking about ECU here. Um, I I have to say two things stick out to me. When I think about this game and immediately where I am, uh, kind of evaluating where this game could go. Two big things have to go into, the, into my my processing of this. First of all, Phil Dracovic, how is his wrist doing? Because I think, you know, if he he's getting a whole month or five weeks because this game's on December 27th mm-hmm. to, to continue to, you know, heal and get himself back together. And the other piece for me is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is the type of game I think, you know, I have two thoughts about it and I can't get my head wrapped around where they're going to go with this. This is the type of game where either that offensive line is going to blow away ECU because they're, they're built to do that. Like against a smaller team, they just, just, or they will struggle and you go, what the heck is going on? So these are two things that I've been going through my mind. Anything like sticking out to you about this game?
1: Yeah. So I'll address the first concern about Phil Jerkovic first. Um, I think that, that, I think that him having this, you know, about a month, to kind of just rest that wrist is going to be huge, you know, because, you know, Halfway has talked about, you know, when he came back, that wrist was still at about 50% and he was able to have some success, but, you know, especially once they got into these colder weather games in Boston, you know, that's going to make the ball. It's one, it makes the ball harder. So it's harder to grip it. And then obviously, it you know, cold can kind of just mess with those, um, you know, those finer injuries and your fine motor skills that just makes, so that's kind of a, it's a, uh, a double or it's a, um, it's, it's a compounding issue. So, you know, both of those things kind of interplay with each other and make it just harder for him to throw the ball. And we saw how that affected his ability to succeed in the wake forest and the Florida state games. But, you know, obviously it's going to be in uh, Annapolis, Maryland. It's not like it's in a super warm weather location, but you know, maybe it won't be, it, it won't be in the Fenway bowl where it'll be probably like 20 degrees at game time. Um, So that'll help a little bit. And obviously that those few weeks of rehab will uh, be huge for him in terms of the offensive line again like i think this is an offensive line that we that we have seen have some dominant performances you know we saw them really control uh georgia tech we saw them control um even virginia tech a little bit to, to some extent. they have a pretty solid defensive line um and we saw them dominate early in the season you know they stay held missouri they held up against them no problem so i think that this isn't a defensive line that uh, in terms of uh, ECU's defensive line that I think BC should be able to handle. You know, they don't have a ton of sacks as a team. I'm looking at their stats now. Their are leading sacker is a linebacker with only four. Uh, they have a few players with three, a few with two and a half. So, you know, it, I, I, when I was looking at the stats for this game, you know, just getting kind of an early feel for ECU. Um, from a statistical standpoint as opposed to the uh, more tape side which i'll be getting into in the next few weeks um, i am not super impressed with them as a in terms of their pass rush ability so like they' in terms of their Pff numbers you know their leading edge rusher um, has only 21 pressures um, uh, which is 11 hurries five hits five sacks and Pff grade their sacks a little differently um but you know they don't really have that one dominant guy you know a guy like um like Jermaine Johnson who was dominant against BC um so I think that this should be a game a kind of a a get right final performance for this offensive line that obviously has had some struggles against the better opponents but against a you know a non-power five team they should be able to kind of own the line of scrimmage in this game
0: and um just to kind of to walk away from the ECU game I have you here let's talk about this for a second on Sunday night, they had their, um, their bowl pre- preview press conference. And there, other than the, all, all the players and coaches saying how, much they're, how excited they were for this game, which is about 90% of what the press conference was, um, <laughs> the one gleaming piece from this was Dracovic saying that he hasn't made a decision yet. And I kind of wanted to get your perspective on what he meant by that and where you think this stands.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't read too much into that. You and I were texting about this earlier that like, I, I don't foresee it as, you know, I think he's being, uh, he's couching his words. You know, I, th- I, I do think he's going to come back. Um, I think that, you know, this is him saying like, I do want to talk to some, you know, NFL, obviously Frank Signetti will probably have some NFL connections. Jeff halfley should have some NFL connections. Tim Lukaboo, all, all all the coaching staff has NFL connections. So, you know, talk to some guys that are at that level. See like, Hey, like, you know, based on what i put on tape, you know, where do you think I would go? And, you know, at this point, I think that, you know, he's because of his injury concerns, because of these inconsistencies, which again, a lot of which can be tied to injury. I think that he would, you know, be an early day three pick. And I think that with that information, he'd be like, all right, listen, like I can come back next year. Ideally I'll stay healthy and I can put together a really, a fully good season, you know, with a more cohesive offensive line, you know, get another really good season with Zay. And, you know, put up some great numbers, put some good tape out there that I can, you know, lift my stock such to a point where I can be a, you know, top 100 pick, maybe even a second or first round guy.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. And I was saying, Mitch and I tweet, uh, text back and forth a lot. As I was saying, the he's going to hear what, as, as Mitch said, I, I agree with him. He's, he's like a late third round draft, uh, third day pick right now. If he stays and does well and can get himself in the second or first round, the difference in money for Djokovic is astronomical in Mm -hmm. terms of the guaranteed money he would get in a contract. If he's a first round draft pick, my God, he's going to get like $30 million more than he would if he was a sixth sixth round draft pick. So Mm -hmm. it makes a lot more sense for him to come back because what we saw those last two games, there is not enough film out there for for people to go, Oh man, I got to get him early. You know what I mean? The last two games, I think especially made it look like he's not ready yet. So
1: And I I think that, you know, NFL evaluators will know they'll be like, all right, like he's got a wrist injury, you know, so he's, you know, he's limited as a thrower. Um, And then there was a great game against Georgia Tech. You know, there's, there's, there's just like a lot, a lot of circumstances that kind of affect how you evaluate him as a player. And, you know, you go back to, if you're like, all right, I want to see him when he's healthy, you go back to 29, 2020. There was even some of the later games, he wasn't fully healthy, but, you know, I think that even at his best points, you know, there's still. Some of your concerns, you know, he has some work to do in terms of his ability to read the field, make good decisions. He's st- I'm still concerned about his ability to, you know, just make accurate throws in the short game. Like he is great throwing the ball deep and intermediate, but you know, I want to see some more consistency in the quick game. You're just hitting those very easy throws, you know, because the, that's a huge part of the NFL. You know, just hitting quick RPOs, quick slants, all that. You know, that's a huge part of your offense. So I think teams are going to want to see him be more consistent in that aspect of the game.
0: So I, I heard earlier, are you predicting Zay Flowers will be back too?
1: Yeah, because, you know, I'm looking at his stats right now, you know, 44 catches, 746 yards, five touchdowns, pretty solid considering how limited the offense was for the majority of the season. Um, but, you know, I'm, I know that, you know, receivers are usually a little different, you know, they don't usually care about this much, but, you know, maybe he wants to come back, get his degree. It's obviously, a, you know, one of the better degrees in the um, college football landscape. So, you know, I think he would like a full year with Jer- Jerkovic um, that can get in the ball deep. You know, we obviously saw them, you know, have some great chemistry uh, at points in the last few games. I think that, you know, he, <clears throat> I think he'll be willing to risk the possibility of injury with the reward of, you know, like, hey, like I could get, you know, 80 catches, 1,200 yards and, you know, 10 touchdowns with if I play with uh, Jerkovic again this season. So I think that, you know, flowers were to declare, I think that he would probably be probably in the third round, you know, maybe fourth, um, depending on, you know, just how testing goes, how you know, the combine pro days, you know, talking with NFL um, personnel. I think that he would be solidly drafted, but I think that if he comes back has a big season, he could probably elevate himself to be a solid second round pick, maybe even a first if he has a really good season, you know, gets rid of all those drop concerns has some better consistency as a contested catch receiver. You know, there's, there's, there is a, a war where he could work himself to, into being a first round pick, given his ability to, you know, take the top off the defense one, and then also be a dynamic threat after the catch.
0: All right, Mitch, thank you for coming on. Where can people find you on social media?
1: You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E In the coming weeks. I'll be doing a lot of preview work on ECU and kind of breaking down um, what they do on both sides of the ball and how BC is going to attack them. Um, hopefully, we'll be getting into some BC analysis as well. Uh, and obviously, you know, the regular season for college is over. The NFL regular season winding down. We're starting to get draft season. So I'll be starting up my scouting work, and I'll be sure to be posting my
0: scouting reports on BC's guys who are running the draft. All right, Mitch. Thank you very much. In a moment, we're going to get into basketball, the sickos, and everything that goes into that big win on Friday. BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 21 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, the Bilt Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugars, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. Get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. On Sunday, I was busy. I had to get up all of my Christmas stuff. We had a town-wide celebration that I took my kids to. I didn't find the time to eat anything. And then I got home, and I was starving. And so while I'm putting up the Christmas tree, I had a built Bar. It gave me the protein and energy I needed to sustain through this whole long day. It was just what the doctor ordered. And the best part, I ate it and didn't feel guilty about it because I knew it was low in fat and high in protein. the, The uh. You're friends with Santa, you want to tell them to throw a few built bars in your stockings with so many flavors. they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that built bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melting built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. Make sure to go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, 15% off your order if you go to built.com and use promo code Locked 15. This is Locked On Boston College. Thank you all who are listening, and happy holiday season to all of you at home listening to Locked On Boston College. And for all of you who have made Locked On Boston College your number one show, the show that you have listened to all the time, I want to thank you. i got probably four or five of you out there that listen on Spotify. I know Spotify is not like the biggest listening site uh, for podcasts, but uh, some of you out there, Carlos, I know there's a few others that, um, that sent me uh, messages that had... Locked on Boston College in their top two or three podcasts for the year and their yearly wrapped. Thank you so much. That meant so much to me. It really uh, makes me feel like I'm doing something great here for Locked on Boston College and I, I appreciate that. So, we, I, I, you know, there was so much news this weekend between the bowl game, basketball game on Saturday, uh, Friday, excuse me. I can't believe that the last segment here has to be the basketball game because I watched that game on Friday night. Boston College goes out there and they absolutely destroyed Notre Dame on, on Friday night at home, 73-57. And this was such an impact game for Boston College because... You know, going into the season, you heard all the pundits. They're all saying, "Oh yeah, Boston College. They're not going to win an ACC game this year." I saw someone say, "Yeah, you know, they'll probably be around four wins total for the entire season." Well, Earl Grant gets his first crack in an ACC win. He goes out there and he mows down Notre Dame. And how's he do it? With his bigs. Now, I have been kind of eh about James Carnick for a while. You know, he was very inconsistent last year. I didn't see what all the big hubbub was of him playing, but he looked incredible. He had 17 points, 13 rebounds. He set the tone right from the beginning. I think he had to hit a three right to start the game. You know, he had um, one of those just standout performances from a game that meant so much. And it wasn't just Karnick. T.J. Bickerstaff and Quinton Post both big guys on Boston College. They had big games as well. They were just dominating Notre Dame on the boards, which was huge because the game before when they played USF, you know, all the worry was that BC wasn't rebounding well. Well, they go out there, they play their butts off, and against a good Notre Dame team that was four, ranked 42 on the Ken Palm rankings and a good rebounding team. They got some good guys out there. James Lazucki last year killed BC, and BC made him look. Foolish out there. And that is credit to Earl Grant and his staff. And I have said this all along. This is going to be a bumpy season. So enjoy the highs when they happen. And you should because these games were big. And credit to the fan base out there. And I want to credit all the guys that started that um, the Sickos movement and the Protect the Nut. I know there's a guy, Beacon Street Hill, uh, Beacon Street Hoops and uh, BC uh, Ball Hot Takes, I think there's on, on Twitter, who kind of started that whole thing and now it's become a whole movement. It's awesome. I haven't seen this much excitement about Boston College basketball since Al Skinner days. And this is exactly what you need. You need a coach that can do it and you need the fan base to start to buy back in. And you saw it all go on during that Friday game. You know, the Earl Grant uh, referred to the sickos, you know, you had um, all the people on the on the television broadcast mentioning about it. It's going to becoming a movement and that is how Boston College basketball is going to get back. You need to fill out Conti Conti Forum. That place can get rocking. That place can become a difficult place to play. When the student section is full, I remember when I used to go there. I'm going to sound like an old man now. But back when the you know the, the Sean Marshall and Jared Dudley days, I used to go down there on a Saturday morning, and it was back when they were in the Big East, and the place would be rocking, and it was a tough out for some of those teams. You had good players too. But I think the Sickos movement is is building something here for Boston College basketball, and with Earl Grant making a team that's not only playing better – but improving daily, that doesn't make the same stupid mistakes over and over again, that is going to get big buy-in from the from the fan base, and you're going to start to see results all over the place, and and it's just going to spiral. So you know they could go out there and they could lay out a dud in their next ACC game, and you know what? We're all kind of kind of be, be in there for that because that's just kind of what we're expecting. But what you saw on set on Friday from this Boston College squad. It's a team that's not going to give up on anyone. They're going to go out there. They're going to battle. They're going to battle. They're going to battle. They're going to battle. And I think that is exciting because they may still be a Tuesday ACC tournament team, and they're probably not going to make the tournament. I doubt they'll do it this year. But isn't all we're asking for is improvement? Aren't all we are looking for is this team to develop and for getting a coach in there that understands what Boston College basketball is about and how to develop this program? And it is so clear that Earl Grant does know that, and what we're seeing already is already this market improvement. I I, I have a friend, uh, you know, Dave Scully, who was on a couple of weeks ago from URI. He texted me, he goes, "Man, you guys got a good coach. I do not want to see URI go down to BC next year because Gert Grant, you got something in Grant." You have something in Grant. He, I mean, he noticed it. You're starting to see a lot of national people start to mention it. This is going. This could starting to look like a good hire. Now, pump the brakes a little. early nine games or ten games into the season, but it's still something to build off of. And Boston college basketball has not had that in years. This is so different than Steve Donahue and Jim Christian that you, it's palpable. Between the sickos on, and the fan base, the improvement on the recruiting trail. I mean, Boston College for the class of twenty two has a top twenty five recruiting class. So you what you're enjoying what you're watching now, the talent is going to start pouring in here. And when they see BC playing better, it's going to it's going to it's going to be cyclical. The fans will come, the recruits will come, the 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 game will be playing better. You're going to get that new uh, practice facility. It's going to all uh, rev into one you got to get excited about that because I think this is all heading in the right direction. So we're going to be talking a lot more basketball, especially now that people are into it. So for the sickos out there, uh, I'm enjoying it too. So take care, everyone. We'll see you all again soon tomorrow. This is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack_BC underscore BC or at BulletinBC on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast. We do this five days a week. We're also on YouTube. And we'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.